0: Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Guys, today I'm looking at the new year. And one of the things when I looked at the new year and I was praying about you and praying about what God has for us as a church, I, I just felt God saying, that he wanted us to understand grace in the new year. So I'm looking at this message today, and I, and I hope you open your hearts. To, as we look at applying God's grace in the new year, I'm going to be looking at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be starting this. <clears throat> I do still have a little bit of cold, so you'll, you'll get past the raspiness in just a minute. But as we, as we get into this, into this new year, we look to the new year. We're kicking off the new year with the relationship series. That I believe that God wants to do something fresh and new in all of our relationships. But we're going to need the grace of God. We're going to need God's grace as we look into allowing him to change us, to transform us, to do new things in our lives. With a show of hands here, who wants God to do something new in your life in 2020? Come on, all of us do. All of us need it. And so we're going to lean into him. Because he cares for you. He's, He's passionate for you. But you will never fully receive and walk in what all that God has for you until you first understand the foundation of everything about God. And that is what we call His grace. As we come to the new year, we have different thoughts running through our minds on how we want to approach it. And I want to share with you today this message. It's one of my favorite messages. This message of grace has transformed me as a young man. And I hope and pray that it transforms you, that we can walk into God's grace because the grace of God is you receiving, understanding that you can receive the benefits of all that God is in spite of all that you are. I hope you understand that. Because there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. All of us deserve punishment for our sins. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us make mistakes. All of us deserve our consequences. But the grace, but mercy of God says this, says I'm not going to punish you for what you deserve. But the grace of God says I'm not going to punish you and then I'm also going to bless you. It's like being stopped by a police officer. And you've been speeding. You're guilty. You know it. You try to get out of it. Even some of you women try to cry so you can get out of it. But you don't. It doesn't happen. Sometimes it works, though. And he comes up to your window or she comes up to your window and says, hey, you were speeding. Yes, I know I was speeding. You're guilty. Yes, I know I'm guilty. You deserve a ticket. Yes, I deserve a ticket. And he says, I'm going to show mercy on you and not give you a ticket. That's mercy. But then he says this, but... I'm going to show grace on you. I want you to pull up there to, uh, to a discount tire. And you pull up there and he puts four brand new tires. Then I want you to go over here to Pet Boys. And, he, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they change your oil. And they, and they take you to a detail shop. They detail your car. That's the grace of God. Mercy, you didn't get what you deserved. Grace, you got more than you ever deserved. That's the difference. But we need to understand the grace of God in, in the new year. And so I'm personally wanting to grow in grace this year. I'm still rocked by the By the understanding of God's grace, it still humbles me, it liberates me. The understanding of God's grace is is what set my heart on fire, as I've already said, as a young man. And before I get into this, I wanna read to you a quote from an author, Timothy Keller, who's written amazing books. He pastors in New York. But this is what he says about God's grace. He says, the Bible's purpose is not so much to show you how to live a good life. The Bible's purpose is to show you how God's grace breaks into your life against your will and saves you from the sin and the brokenness. Otherwise, you would have never been able to overcome. Religion is if you obey, then you will be accepted. But the gospel of grace is if you are, absol- if you are absolutely accepted and sure that you're accepted, only then will you ever be able to obey. Those are two utterly different things and every page of the Bible shows the difference. And the truth is this. Very few Christians understand what grace is all about. Matter of fact, some people are intimidated by grace because you think, well, don't you preach on grace because you'll give people a license to sin. If that's what you believe, then you don't understand grace. Grace is what God's promised to do in our lives because of him, because of his grace. So we're going to look at Five questions the Apostle Paul asked out of Romans 8, and this is going to show us what it means, how we can live by by faith, by grace. How, How is it that we can apply the grace of God in our lives? Five questions give us this description of what it means to live out the benefits of God's grace. And so I'm to look at this. So let's, Romans chapter 8, looking at it, verse 31 through 39, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to walk through each one of these questions, and you're going to be blessed today by the word of God. I really believe it. And this is what Paul says. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is question number one. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Another question. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's another question. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Another question. No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that. Who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I just want to look at the first question. And you have it on their notes there. Question number one, if God is for us, who can be against against us? Now every question Paul is asking, he's actually making a statement. And the question is, is, is If God is for us, actually the original translation is since God is for us, who can be against us? And the statement that Paul is making is this, the grace of God protects us. That's what, that's what, that's what the whole understanding of, of Romans chapter 8 is, the grace of God. So the grace of God protects us. The Bible says we have enemies in this world. I hope you understand you have enemies in this world. There are people after you're behind, I'm telling you. The enemy is after you, the flesh, you you fight that enemy, the world is after you, and we have enemies, they are real enemies, but the good news is this, as you look to 2020 and apply the grace of God, no matter what you face, God is for you, God is for you. I really want to, I really want to grow in this understanding this year, God is for me, that God really understands. He, he sees where I'm going, but he's also behind me. He's for me. He's with me. He's not against me. I want you to say this to yourself this morning. God is for me. Say it. God is Turn and tell someone, God is for me. And tell them. Now to some, you think, no, that, that sounds arrogant to say God is for me. No, it's not. It's recognizing God's grace on your life, that he is for you. Do you deserve for him to be for you? No. But is he for you? Yes. And maybe some of you are here this morning, you're thinking, you know, you know I, I, I don't know if I've done the right things to get God to be for me. Jason, you don't know the mistakes I made. Jason, you don't know how I it. Jason, you don't know. I I knew better and I did things anyway. And and so I haven't done the right things to get God on my side. And here's, here's the reality of our humanity. We feel at times that we need to earn God's approval or somehow convince him to be on our side. But the Bible says that in Christ, God is already on your side. Now, this is where grace starts to rattle your brain a little bit because it doesn't make sense. You may think what you need is a particular thing, baby, in the new year, or a particular opportunity, or what you need is an open door this year. And, all, and, and, and here's the fact, you, don't, you may need some of that, but the reality is this, you already have what you already need in 2020, and that is that God is on your side because he is a God of grace. You are protected by him. And here's the truth about God. No matter what you face in 2020, because we like to stack things up and say, okay, if I stack this, this means I have a good chance. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter what your deck says. You plus God equals the majority. Just so you know that. No matter what you're facing, you plus God equals the majority because you have God on your side and he is there to protect you. Nothing should discourage us. When we recognize the fact that God is on our side and that he will protect you. Say that with me. God will protect me. The fact is this. There has never been an enemy of God that has ever won a victory against God. No enemy can stand against him. God doesn't know the meaning of defeat. No matter what you are facing in, the, in this world, you need to remember this out of 1 John four four. And this is, again, walking in God's grace. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, say in me, is greater than the one who is in the world. So no matter what you're facing in the world, the grace of God is with you and for you and God is on your side. So where is it that you're facing opposition, maybe your physical body, maybe opposition at work, maybe you're facing opposition in a relationship, financial problems, the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than any opposition that you are facing in the world. God's power is working in our lives because of God's grace, and you need to understand that today. And because of grace, I can always count on God's protection in my life, no matter what. That I will not be overcome. Nothing can devastate my life when I've put my life into the hands of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. Circumstances could be devastating. But you will not be devastated as you are in Christ Jesus. That's what you need to understand. He will protect the work that he's done in me. He will be on my side. He will be with me. He will be for me. My God is not against me. And he will lead you through any circumstances and give you the victory. Amen? That's what I believe. No matter how big a devil is that comes after you or comes after me, remember this. God is for me. God is for you. You don't have to be intimidated. You need to memorize that that little line and say it when you're facing opposition in 2020. When you feel overwhelmed, you can sit back and say, listen, I don't feel like this is true. These circumstances are very difficult. And, And listen, following Jesus doesn't mean you won't have problems. But what it means is that God is on your side and no matter what you're facing, he is for you, he is with you, he is walking with you, he is ministering to you, he puts his ministering angels around you, he goes before you, behind you, to your left and to your right, he's guiding you because God's grace is on your life. And when you don't feel like this is true, you need to say it out loud. You need to let your your two little ears hear what your emotions don't feel. I am facing this difficulty, but in the name of Jesus, I remind my soul and my emotions that, God, you are for me. You are not against me. It's very important for you to understand that. And no matter what you're facing, I want you to remember the, the grace of God is with you in 2020. Philippians 4, 13 says this, I can do all things. Everybody say all. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So how much does God love you? How much is God for you? How much does he want me to be filled with him and to know that he's walking with me? How did he prove that? Well, that's easy. Question number two, Romans 8.32. How much? Well, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What is Paul, What statement is Paul making? You have it on your notes there. Number two, the statement is this, that the grace of God provides for us. The grace of God provides for us. If God loved you enough to send Jesus Christ to die for you, then he loves you enough to care for you. For all of your needs, I actually really believe this. Maybe some of you, the OJs, be careful. You know, prosperity gospel. Listen, I, I'm not. I I I I'm not about the prosperity gospel, but I am about the gospel that is saturated with God's grace. That He provides for me. He takes care of my needs. And maybe for some of us, you think, you know, I don't want to go to God about my financial needs or my physical needs or I've got a problem. And maybe it's, you know, God's got, I've heard this, God's got a lot of other things to worry about than my needs. Actually, this verse says the exact opposite. God has solved your biggest problem. You think, I I only want to give God my big problems. You know, I don't want to, listen, God has solved, already solved your biggest problem. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you on the cross for your sins. He certainly wants to take care of all of your little problems because he cares for them. He took care of your biggest one, but he will also take care of all your other needs that you have. The grace of God provides for your needs. This is a matter of us understanding what it means to be his son, what it means to be his daughter. See, my children's provision comes from me their dad it would be weird to say yes you're my son or yes you're my daughter yes I can provide for you but I don't want to yes you're you're a part of my family but I'm not going to provide for you yes you're a part of our family but you don't get the full benefits of the family that would be weird This is what Paul is saying to us today. When God saved you, you get the full benefits of salvation and provision according to God's will. According to God's will. That's very important you understand that piece. Because God's will for you is different than God's will for me and vice versa. We walk in the will of God. But the fact is this. Your salvation brought you in to the kingdom of God and made you a part of God's family. You live in his house. When my my kid comes home, I want him to walk up to the refrigerator and throw it open and get food out of there and eat it. And I don't want him to think, well, I I hope I can eat this and hope it's okay for me to watch this TV. And I hope it's okay for me to, to go lay in that bed up there that I get to sleep in every once in a while. No, I want him to understand or her to understand this is your home. You have benefits of this house. Live in it. That ministers to me when my own children feel comfortable being in my house. Psalm eighty four eleven says this. For the, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And you're thinking, oh, see, Jason, that's it. I'm not blameless. That's what it is. I'm not perfect. I'm not blameless. Therefore, God's going to withhold good things from me. But according to the Bible, not according to Jason, according to the Bible, you being in Christ Jesus means that you are justified. What does justified mean? Justified means it's just as if I have never done it. You've been justified. He has declared you perfect. Now this is where the grace starts to just mess with your head, but I'm not perfect. No, you're not. But he's declared you perfect because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. Because of God's grace, he provides for us. He will always take care of you, and he will always meet your needs. Amen? This is the grace of God. Steve McVeigh, who wrote this book called The Grace Walk, which is a fantastic book. If you've never read it, let me encourage you. Steve McVeigh, Grace Walk. It transformed my life just several years ago. But this is what he said about grace. Grace is a system of living whereby God blesses us because we are in Christ and for no other reason at all. That's grace. And we don't like that as humans. Yes, but, yes, but what? But, but what do I, I need to do something to get God's grace. I know that for some of you this is challenging. This is challenging for me. I, I'm a closet legalist. I like to check off my little list. Grace is challenging. It's actually easier. Please hear me. It's easier to live by the law than it is by grace. The law gives me the checklist. At the end of the day, I check off. I did that. I did that. Oh, I didn't do that. See, that's good. I didn't do that. I did this right. I did this right. Ah, okay. Take a deep breath. Because I check my list off, that means I'm all right with God. Okay. But grace takes our human checklist and it chucks it out the window. And God's grace says to you, you are all right with me because I said you were. Yes, but, yes, but I, didn't, I didn't check this. I, I, I said you were okay with me. So therefore, you are okay with me. In my eyes, you are perfect. In my eyes, you are blameless. In my eyes, you've been covered with the righteousness of Christ. In my eyes, your sin and your whole life has been covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. Therefore, I say you're all right. Therefore, you are all right. And the legalist in us says, yes, but what about that? No, but you can't have everything that God has for you because you're not perfect here and you you kind of messed up here. Let me challenge you this new year. When you need... When you have a need in your life, don't start running through the checklist if if you are justified enough to ask God for it. Just ask God. Ask God to meet your needs. Ask him to help you understand his provision. God, help me to understand this year your provision for me in my life. Help me to understand what your grace really means to me. Over 20 times in the New Testament, you were commanded, I'm commanded by Scripture. Ask and it will be given seek and you will find whatever things you ask for in prayer believe that you receive them and you shall have them trust god in the results our job is to trust god in the results and the trust that god can provide my job is just to trust him his job is to provide according to his will that's it so we ask him and we say lord I'm asking you, you would provide for me, Lord. I'm asking for your will to be done, Lord. If this isn't what you want for me, I trust you in that, but I'm still going to ask you for that. Philippians four nineteen says this: My God will supply all. Say all, all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. But I do want to point out. Notice that it it doesn't say all my wants. It doesn't say all my wants. It says, my needs. So when asking and believing, you can trust in the grace of God and his perfect timing. Yes, but I asked him and I didn't didn't get what I was asking for. Trust God. His grace will give you more than you deserve. If something doesn't happen, then God is still providing your needs. And he's doing it in a way. Can you trust God that he's working for your good even when you don't see it immediately? That is trusting in the grace of God, resting in God's grace. He has promised to provide for all of your needs in this life. He wants to help you. Do you know that? Do you know that God wants to actually help you? He wants to be there for you. He wants to serve you. He knows you're human. He knows you're broken. He knows you have limitations. But guess what? He is, he is not human. He is superhuman. He is supernatural. He is not broken. He is whole and full, fully himself and perfect in who he is. And he does not have limitations as we do. That's why we trust. With our, we are limited human beings who put our trust in a limitless God. That's understanding and walking in the grace of God. That's very important. He's promised to provide for us. Now, this doesn't mean, please hear me today, doesn't mean there won't be times that are lean, there won't be times where you have to, you have to apply discipline and other biblical, biblical restraints and biblical principles to your life. This doesn't mean there won't be times when we need to change our actions or God doesn't use something to, to make sure that we know we need to make this change in our life. This doesn't mean that God won't use difficulties to get bad habits out of our life. But God's grace does mean That God will provide and take care of you. That's what you need to know in this coming year. Question number three that Paul asks out of Romans 8.33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? That's a a big question. So who's going to bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? So what's Paul saying? What's the statement that he's making? He's making this statement that the grace of God stands up for us. The grace of God stands up for you. So we ask the question, so who can accuse us? Well, listen, I know me, and I know some of you. Listen, we could accuse each other a lot. But Paul says, and he's speaking to those who are in Christ, speaking to those who are walking under the grace of God, who will bring any charge against those that God has chosen? Who can accuse us? And here's the truth many people in our lives, including ourselves, want to put us down, to accuse us, to criticize you for, for doing, even for living a Christian life, or striving to live a Christian life, or striving to even live by faith. But just so you know, the accusers that accuse you or come after you or Try to gossip you or slander against you. Just so you know, they take their cue from the chief accuser. And I, do you know who the chief accuser is according to the Bible? Out of Revelation chapter 12, this is really what's accusing you. This is really what's trying to tell you you're not good enough, that God's work didn't really take on you, or, or God's work didn't really stick, or maybe you really aren't really saved, or maybe you really don't have, have the benefits of being in God's family. Revelations 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come to the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brethrens, wait, sorry, that's an old King James, I said bro, brethrens, anyway, of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's speaking about the accuser, Satan. He says he is the accuser of our brothers and our sisters. The enemy is accusing you. He's he's saying, no, no, you you, you aren't worthy. No, you don't deserve. No, you can't have the benefits of the family. No, you're filthy. No, your past is too much. No, your mistake yesterday was, was too much. You've lost the benefits. Satan accuses you all the time of not being enough. You're never enough. You're not measuring up. And then Satan uses other people to keep you on the floor of your mistakes. The accuser, Satan, wants to keep you quivering and cowering in the corner of your mistakes and your sins. And he wants to hover over you, making you feel powerless. But you, understanding the grace of God, what that means is while you're quivering, while you're broken, while you're dealing with the condemnation of Satan... It means that Jesus stands up for you and says, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. You won't touch my child. Get away from her. Get away from him. And God's grace stands up for you and protects you and steps between you and the accuser and says, stand, my child. Come on, I'm going to keep walking with you. That's what the grace of God is. It stands up for you. 1 John 2 says this. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, but if anyone does sin, in other words, he's not saying grace is a license to sin, but if you do sin, we we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. So you have an accuser, but you also have an advocate. Well, what, what, is, what is Paul saying here? The Bible tells us that Jesus is the attorney for our defense against everything that we've ever done wrong. It says when the devil comes to accuse you, Jesus is pleading our defense and excuses the charges against you. But it, it gets even better than that. We have the son of God. Jesus is our defense attorney. But God is on our side and he's the judge in the courtroom. So you got Jesus, Jesus and the Father. So listen, if you, if you have the judge on your side, if you have the defense attorney on your side and the payment is already paid by Jesus Christ, guess what, Satan doesn't have a case against you, amen? He doesn't have a case. What is Paul saying in this passage? He's saying you can always count on God's grace through Jesus standing up for us, standing against the accusations of the the devil. The word "accuse" when it says that Satan is is an accuser, actually it means to bring a charge. It literally means to impeach you, to get get you out, to, to send you off. And Paul says that in Christ you are unimpeachable. You're not going anywhere in Jesus Christ. You're going to stay right there. He says, if you if you will ever face the accusations of the devil, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian because you passed from judgment into life, that means you were under God's grace. It means that you are receiving something that you don't deserve. But what you but it's the grace of God that he will not take from you. It is yours now. It's the benefit of being in the family. How many are grateful for the grace of God? I'm grateful for it. Amen. <laughs> Question number four that will prepare you. To step into 2020 in the grace of God, walking in the grace of God, Paul asks this question. Who then is the one who condemns? Then he goes on to say, well, no one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What statement is Paul making? He's saying this, that the grace of God through Jesus declares us righteous. I've already talked a little bit about that, but this whole idea, the grace of God through Jesus declares us righteous. Turn and tell someone you're righteous. Go and tell them. You're righteous. The truth is that Christians aren't perfect. Amen? But we are forgiven. So you're not perfect, but you are forgiven. Paul asked this rhetorical question. Who is it that condemns you? Speaking to Christians, speaking to us today, who is it that condemns you? The answer is, well, it's not Jesus. Because he died for you. Because he loves you. He justified you. As the scripture says in the previous verse, we don't need to be afraid of God because he has made us righteous. He has made us right in his eyes. I hope you understand. He has made you right through Jesus. You are right in God's eyes. Many of us really struggle understanding that because we are confronted daily with our own pain, with our own brokenness, with with the stuff of our past, the stuff of our personality and kind of what led us up to this place in our own lives and our own, all these different things. It's very difficult for us understand that we're right in God's eyes because we struggle all the time. We're always condemning our own selves. So I've failed here and I've failed here and I didn't do this right and we're always living underneath this condemnation. That's why you need to understand the grace of God wants to change the way you think about you and God wants you to see yourself through his eyes, not your eyes. And God says, you're right before me. Because of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your brokenness. He sees the purity of his son, Jesus. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. How does this work? It's the grace of God. Living a life without condemnation doesn't mean you're perfect. You may still sin, you may still make mistakes, but the judgment for your mistakes and sin has already been paid by Jesus Christ. First Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So Jesus being righteous suffered for you, the unrighteous, to bring you to God. <laughs> he was put to death in the body, but made alive and the spirit this is what jesus has done for you the righteous died for you you couldn't die for yourself but jesus did the christian life hear me today 2020 i want you to understand this and get this the christian life is not based on doing it's based on what's already been done god has paid the penalty For our sins through Jesus Christ, God's grace towards us gives us his protection, gives us his provision, and he stands up for us and declares us righteous. The grace of God is so powerful. It transforms the way we think. It rewires our minds. It rewires our emotions. This isn't about performing. It's about what already has been done. Instead of working towards righteousness, we're working from righteousness in our lives. Instead of working for God's favor, we're working from God's favor. Instead of working towards God's victory, we're working from God's victory that's already been purchased in our lives. And the last question that Paul asked to help us understand what it means to live by grace is, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The statement that Paul is making is by the grace of God, he, meaning God, never stops loving us. His love towards you is unconditional. His love towards you doesn't go up and down depending on if you punch all the, all the right holes and hit all the right buttons. His love for you is unconditional and it never stops. It never stops. And then Paul, Paul goes on to explain a little more. He says this in verse 37. He says, no, and all these things, in other words, all the struggle, all the pain, all the difficulties, all your mistakes, all, your, all, all of us striving and, and still kind of not always hitting the, the nail on the head like we want to in our spiritual lives, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. So what is he saying? He's saying when you don't feel like a conqueror, the fact is is you are more than a conqueror. You have the conquering spirit of Christ in you, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation... Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we all say amen to that. Amen. Nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing, will ever make God stop loving you. Remember that in 2020. He loves you on your good days, He loves you on your bad days, He loves you when no one else wants to be around you. <laughs> Thank God. Because I don't want to be around you. Anyway, he loves you. He loves you when you're faithful. And here's he loves you, listen, when you're unfaithful, he loves you. Nothing can separate. You may break fellowship with him, you may get mad at him, but your identity as being a child of God never changes. I don't know this, you may disagree with me on this, but I'm doing my best to honor what the scripture clearly says in the original language and in this this passage. You may break fellowship. You may make mistakes. You may fall so far away, but your relationship, your identity as a son or a daughter of God, it's never broken. That's the grace of God. My son, Seth, will always be my son. My daughter, Ellie, will always be my girl. She'll always be my daughter. I will never turn my back on them. It doesn't matter what they do, what decisions they make. That's my boy, and that's my girl. They will always be my son. Why? Because they come from me. They have my DNA in them. And God will never Turned his back on you. This is the scandalous understanding of grace. It rocks a lot of our worlds. And I can understand that. Depending on your upbringing. Depending on what you know about God. Depending on how, how you were saved. But the truth is that you may suffer a loss of fellowship with God because of your decisions, and it it happens. There are consequences for our stupid decisions. There is a loss of rewards on this earth if you choose to not do things God's way. And there is a loss of rewards in heaven. But I'm gonna say something, and it's okay if you disagree, but I'm telling you what I know about God and what I know in the scriptures. Once you're in the family of God, there's no way to get out of it. Jason, come on. What about this? What about it? Jesus said in John ten, speaking about those who put their trust in God through Jesus Christ. That's what he says. I give them, meaning who? Those who put their trust in me, eternal life. Now listen to what Jesus says. And they shall never perish. No one, and I say no one, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Nothing can keep God from loving you. And the Bible says this, Jesus says this, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Grace is a scandalous thing because it doesn't make sense to us. Because it isn't restrained, because it's not measured, it it seems reckless. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't to the human mind, it's uncomprehendable to us. There's a saying, and I I know all of us have heard it it says that when, when something is too good to be true, it's probably not true, right? We've heard that. But with God's grace, that which is too good to be true, it's still true. It's still true. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.